0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Thank you for joining us this morning. Before we get into the message this morning, I want to share a little word with you about blessing. Blessing. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, towards the end of the verse, it says, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. People want to live Under God's blessing, God's blessing is important because when we speak about God's blessing, we're speaking about God's power and God's ability having influence in situation or a circumstance in our life. So we want to live under blessing, but it says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I believe that if we really want to get an understanding of that, we have to go back to having a look at who God is and what God is all about. Because when you look at God's nature and you understand God's nature, you will understand why he makes a comment like that. The foundation of who God is, is love. God is love. And because God so loved the world, he gave. It gives us an insight as to God's disposition and God's attitude to how he deals with us as people. God, because he is love, loved us so much he wanted us to have access to who he was and as a result of that he gave jesus it's interesting to note that it doesn't say that god loved us and gave us jesus so that we would love him it doesn't say that it says he loved us so much that he gave There is something that happens to us when our lives and our attitudes, our actions and our dispositions are birthed out of love. We're not looking for what we get. We're happy to invest. We're happy to take what we have and we're happy to take that and give god's life is all about taking who he is and giving expression of that to who we are and because of that what ends up happening is he's looking for mankind to understand what his disposition is and to come into a place of harmony and agreement with him when we get to that place in our life where we recognize who god is and we get ourselves established in his nature, which is love, it'll create a place within our lives where we will begin to recognize the importance of giving. God puts into your life so that you can give. He gives you revelation so that you have something to impart to somebody else. He takes and reveals aspects of who he is and he puts it into your life so that you've got something that you can put into somebody else's life. Your words are important because you're giving. Your attitude is important because you're giving. Your finances are important because you're giving. It's not that I'm giving to get it's giving because I recognize that God so loves everybody around me. I'm positioned and that I'm able to be able to take what he's given to me and I can use that to impart to them. Giving is important because giving becomes an avenue through which we have influence. If God never gave Jesus, Jesus, we wouldn't be able to recognize and walk into a relationship with who he is. Because he gave Jesus, he had influence in a situation that allowed us to have access to him. When you take of what God has blessed you with and you use that and you give that, what ends up happening is it's an avenue for influence into people's lives, influence into circumstances. What God blesses you with is important because God wants you to take that and God wants you to use that to have influence in situations. Sometimes I think what ends up happening is we become quite narrow in our disposition towards things and we think, well, I'm a tither. Tithing is important and I think tithing has significance and, and that's another whole subject. But I want you to know that tithing falls under giving. Giving is a much bigger component to simply tithing. There are a lot of people that have been blessed tremendously in many ways. Financially, people have been blessed in terms of their relationship with God. People are blessed with anointing. People, God has blessed people. And when we get to the place where we recognize that I have the ability to be able to take what I have and use it for his influence. It moves me to a place where God says, because you understand the principle of significance and influence, I'm going to continue to bless you because you're taking the resources I put into your life in whatever form and you're using it to influence people around you. I want you to grab a hold of that. It's important to also understand that don't give for the wrong reason. Don't give to get God never gave to get. His motivation was, I gave because I loved. When you ground it and you're established in love, you'll give with the right motivation. Father, I just want to thank you for every person that's out there today. I want to thank you, Father, for the design that you have for our life. When you blessed Adam and you said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, replenish it and have dominion. Your blessing was to take everything that you had given him and to take that and make it a reality in his own life and in the world around about him. I want to thank you, Father, that when we understand the mandate that you've given us and the invitation to take what you've entrusted to us and we move to a place where we use that to give into the world. I thank you, Father, that we become people who are sowing the seeds of love. We're sowing the seeds of love by the words of our mouth, by our our actions, by our finances, by our attitudes. All the time, we recognize, fathers, that we are people who are sowing the seeds of love. I want to thank you for every person that is entrenched in an attitude and a disposition as a giver. And I want to thank you that your blessing rests on them in all that they do. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm excited about the message that I have for you this morning, because I want to speak to you about something that I've titled, "I'm Coming Out. I'm Coming Out." So if you want to open your Bibles to Jeremiah, chapter one, and I'm going to read verse from verse 11. And it says, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. So we had an interesting occurrence that took place in our family this week. My oldest son, Colton, turned 13. 13. He's just migrated from childhood into the teen years. And I think every time one of your children hits a milestone like that, it gives you, what it does for me anyway, it gives you a place where you start to sit back and you start to, to become a little bit more poignant about who they are and where they are in their development and your role and your contribution to who they are. The thing that's important is this. You recognize that what you've been through in childhood has been there, you've done that, you've fulfilled that, but you're leaving the season of your life and you're moving into a whole new season called your teen years. Your teen years are different to your childhood years and your teen years are going to place some demands on you that you're going to have to be able to Address And be able to handle in ways that you could never handle when you were a child And when I was talking to him a little bit There was a side to me that began to recognize the fact That I can't walk through life with you all the time When you're a child Because you have such a love for your, your kids What you want to do is you want to be with them You want to protect them You want to take care of them You want to open up doors of opportunity for them You want to know that you are there every time things happen to them And although it's an ideal situation and and, and, and very idealistic, there is a side to your heart that feels that. And yet there's an awareness of the fact that you could never do that. And so you sit and say, well, what can I do? What can I do to give you something, to impart something of benefit to you so that as you navigate your way through the rest of your life, you will know, although I may not be there in person, I've imparted something to you that will help you deal with the circumstances and the situations of life. And it became so apparent to me, and it was reaffirmed, the role that we have as parents is to establish a child. Establish a child. On a solid foundation. Because when circumstances and situations arrive. You know. As you, as you move through life. What I've began to realize is this. Life is not there. And is not particularly interested in what you know about stuff. And life really is not all that concerned about how you feel about situations. But life is going to interrogate who you are. It's going to sit and place a demand on who you are. And it's going to ask something of you to sit and say, what do you have to step up to this challenge and this situation? And if I can take and I can impart something as his father and get him established on a solid foundation, when life comes at him and when circumstances come at him, he may not have me there, but he will have something on the inside of him that sits and says, you know what? I have something that I can stay grounded on. I have something that I am secure on. And I have something that I can deal with the situation with. Thank you, daddy. Thank you, daddy. God loves us so much. We think of God as God. But Jesus came to introduce us to Father. The whole point of father is he wants you to know I love you so much and I'm so concerned and interested in who you are. I want you to know my love for you and you every time you deal with a circumstance and every time you deal with a challenge, every time something comes up and you are dealing with a reality that perhaps you're having a look at and you're wondering where is God. I need for you to know that I am there and you need to be have a touch point in your life that you can grab a hold of and you can sit and say, you know what, I can stand on this and I can get established on this because this is what Dad He has given me, and this is what's going to take me through. Your foundation is important. Your foundation is important. Israel is in an interesting place, because Israel finds itself in a place of crisis. Israel is at a place where they've forgotten who they were. For many, many years, Israel... Wore the name and carried the name Israel with them. But they never lived under covenant with God they never recognized the covenant that they had with him and what had ended up happening is they'd forgotten who they were as a people and they ran off and they lived the way that they wanted to live and the result of it was when people looked at them they couldn't define them as being different to anybody else there was nothing peculiar about them that separated them as people apart from the fact that they wore the label Israel but they looked like everybody else they behaved like everybody else and the result was that the Babylonians came in and defeated them. And they destroyed the temple and they put the king in exile and all the, the leaders of, of, of Israel were put in into, um, into exile. And, Jerusalem is, uh, and the Israelites are standing at a place right now where they're at a moment of despair and desperation. They don't know who they are and they don't know where they're going. They don't know what the reality looks like. All they know is that it's bleak and it's dim, but they don't know what the future holds. And that is the the paradigm into which we have introduced to us a prophet by the name of Jeremiah. Jeremiah. You know, when Israel forgot about who they were, the challenge with it was, is every time we forget our identity, we put ourselves in a place where we become a product of our environment. Every time you forget who you are, you become a product of your environment if you don't know who you are what will end up happening is when you step into a place where life demands something of you you're going to end up conforming to what your circumstances and situations are telling you you're going to end up at a place of fear you're going to end up in a place of uncertainty you're going to end up in a place of insecurity because you don't know who you are what ended up happening was because Israel had forgotten who they were they were becoming products of the environment in which they found themselves and they recognized that they were no longer people of destiny. God hasn't called us to be a product of our environment. He's called us to be a people of destiny. People of destiny know who they are. People of destiny are established in something. People of destiny recognize the fact that circumstances and situations are gonna come into my life. But I'm a person who's equipped to be able to deal with the situation and to move through the situation in a way that I'm equipped to handle. Our identity becomes so important to us. Anytime we move to a place where we begin to develop our identity independently of God. What ends up happening is that our character is in conflict with him. When you develop your identity Independently of God Your character ends up at odds With who God is God says that you are more than a conqueror The problem with it is I'm established in the fact that I don't know how I'm going to deal with The circumstance and situation God says I've provided for every one of your needs And you're looking at your bank account And you're looking at your body who's that, That's crying out with sickness and, and ailments And you're sitting saying I don't know how I'm going to overcome these things Anytime we move to a place That we develop our identity entity outside of who god is we will end up looking like our environment and not like him we'll end up at a place where we're living from a place of need we're living from a place of loss we're living from a place of insecurity we're living from a place of uncertainty and that's never where god called us to be that's never where god called us to live anytime i find myself in a place of vulnerability what i end up doing is i actually empower my reality If you don't know who you are and you feel vulnerable in a place, what will end up happening is you empower your reality. You don't have and you don't recognize within yourself that you have what it takes to deal with the situation. And the result of it is I am capitulating to the circumstances and the situations that I find myself in and I'm allowing it to come in and overwhelm me and flood me. I empower my circumstances every time I'm vulnerable. God comes and he meets with Jeremiah. And he says to Jeremiah something interesting. He says to Jeremiah, what do you see? Jeremiah was a prophet. Jeremiah was called of God to speak the things of God to the people of God. But what God is asking him is what do you see? It's important to understand that. And what Jeremiah had to learn was this. Before you can speak, you must be able to see. Before you can speak, you have to be able to see. It's the same word that God is speaking to us. What God is saying to us is this. Before you act, can you see? Before you engage in a circumstance or a situation, you have to be at a place where you're able to see it the way that God sees it. In Luke chapter four, Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me before, because he has empowered me to do a whole bunch of stuff. And one of the things that he's empowered us to do is to bring sight to the blind. What is he talking about? He's sitting saying people who have a disposition that is outside of who I am, and they cannot see life and situations the way that I see them. I'm here to bring back sight to you before you move ahead in life. You've got to be able to see before you act. We have to be at a place where we allow who God is to come in and to inform who we are. To establish that identity on the inside of us so that when we live from that place, we see life and situations from who he is. And we're able to recognize a way forward and we're able to see it that way. Jeremiah has a look. And he says, I see the branch. I see the branch of a tree. But he doesn't just see the branch of any tree. He says, actually, I don't even know if it was that. Did he call it a limb? No, branch. He calls it a branch of an almond tree. I see the branch of an almond tree. Why is that consequential? Because in the depth of winter, when everything is dead and everything is dormant, The time that you know that the end of winter is arriving and that spring is on the doorstep is when the almond tree starts to bud. It is the first tree that starts to show signs of life. When the almond tree starts to bud, what it says to you is the season is coming to an end the season of dormancy is coming to an end the season of death is coming to an end and the season of life is about to be recognized what jeremiah is having a look at at the prophet is he's recognizing the fact that where israel is right now is about to change because god is doing something because he's making preparation for christ to arrive what he's seeing in the future is he's seeing the christ dying and the resurrection he's seeing newness of life being brought up and he's recognizing the fact that where Israel is right now they may, it may be at a place where perhaps they can't see their way out of their circumstance and situation but God is at a place where he's making provision for that and new life is on the horizon let me tell you something right now If you can get to the place where you can allow God to inform who you are, if you allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your life and get the foundation of your life established on things, what he will begin to do is he will begin to show you the branch of the almond tree. He's going to start to show you what it is that's coming into the future. It's important because in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, it says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and for your well-being, to give you a hope and to give you a future. That's the whole point of it. When you're able to see, you're able to recognize the fact that God has a hope and God has a future for you. And He's going to take you from where you are and He's going to take you into something else. And it may be dark and it may be dismal, and there may be a whole bunch of realities around you that are in conflict with where God is wanting to take you. But it's important that you recognize and you know that the almond tree is in bloom. It's important that you know that provision has been made to give you a hope and for you to move into a future with God. What God was saying to Jeremiah was this, Jeremiah, I'm going to do something for Israel that Israel isn't capable of doing for themselves. I'm prepared to do something for Israel that they can't do for themselves. I want you to know God wants to do something in your life that you're not capable of doing for yourself. You think that you're capable of dealing with all of life and we think that because we're educated and because we're smart because we're so contemporary because we live in such a modern day society because we are so enlightened as a civilization because I have so many capabilities and I have such a strong established skill set there is so much that I can do and that's probably quite true but I want you to know something no matter how much and how capable you are in the natural you have limitations into where to where you are What God is sitting saying, circumstances and situations are going to arise in your life. What do you have to take care of those things? There are some times in your life you do not have what it takes to deal with the circumstances and situations of your life. It doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter how intelligent you are. It doesn't matter how many degrees you are. You can't get yourself healed. It doesn't matter if you find yourself at a place where you're sitting saying, God, is," I'm at a place where I just know so much. But when you're fighting and you're tackling financial woes and worries, it doesn't matter sometimes how much of a qualification you have. You need some divine intervention in your life that's going to take care of your debt and move you into prosperity. If you're a person who's stuck in a place of depression and fear and anxiety, it doesn't matter how much you know about it. It doesn't matter how much time you spend embroiled and having a look and exploring and and getting into books and online to try and discover the root of what this is and deal with stuff. You don't have what it takes to walk you into freedom. What God is saying is this. I'm coming into your life to do some things for you that you're not capable of doing. Every time you meet with God, what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to take a part of who he is and he's wanting to introduce that to you. And he's wanting to say, I can get you established on something that you're not capable to do as an individual. When you want to sit and dream about what you can do, you're going to have limitations on it. But when you want to dream about what we can do, it's going to become a lot more expansive. Every time you want to dream in the plural, God's going to take you places that you can't get to as long as you're dreaming singularly. We grow up in a society. We grow up in a civilization that encourages us to be people who are independent. That encourages us to be people who can blaze our own trail. That encourages us to people, to be people who are successful and to be overcomers. It encourages us to do all of those things. And as a result of that, we like to live from that disposition. There is a side to us that feels uncomfortable about needing something surely I'm capable of doing this surely I'm able to take care of this surely I can move my life into the future the way that it should be and every time things happen all too often our first point of disposition is not God what do we do it's how do I handle this I'll take it as far as I can get to but eventually I'm going to hit a wall eventually I hit the perimeter where, of the boundary of where I am and I recognize I can't do any more in that situation And then I look for God. God sitting saying, "I'm going to do something for Israel that, you're not cap- that they're not capable of doing for themselves. I'm going to establish something new on the inside of them that gives them the opportunity to walk into a future that is designed by me, not something which is limited to what they can do. If you open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 33. It says, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart, I will write it and I will be their God and they will be my people. What he's saying is this. There are three important points that you need to notice out of this. The first thing is this. He's going to do something in your heart he's going to do something in your heart why because that's the most intimate place of your life that's where the the foundational parts of your life that's where everything that you live from comes from and what God's sitting saying is I want to have access to the most intimate part of your life because if I can get you to a point where you're established and you built on the rock you'll move into the paradigm of we and not I When I step into the paradigm of we, things change. Your view changes. Your outlook changes. Your expectation changes. God's sitting saying, I need to have access to that place. Everything you think that you're capable of doing as an I, believe me, exponentially, it is so much larger when we can walk into we. But he's not going to do it through what you know. He's going to do it through who you are. He wants to get you established in who he is. He wants to get you established in truth. I'm going to write it on your heart. Israel knew who he was. And knowing who he was led them to where they were. They had a knowledge of God, but they were never empowered to deal with the circumstances and situations. And what God was saying to Israel is this. I'm going to change it. I'm going to give you something that you can't get anywhere else. I'm going to take who I am. I'm going to take my power. I'm going to take my ability. I'm going to put it on the inside of you. And it's going to change your life moving forward. He puts it on the inside of us. With his word. His word is going to redefine who we are. It's important. Why? Because he not only says, I'm going to put my law on your hearts," but he says, I will be their God. What is he saying when he's saying, I will be their God? He's saying, I am the one who's going to oversee my word to make sure that it takes place. What he's saying is, I am the one who's going to sit and say, fine, not only am I going to conform who you are in the foundation of your life to what truth is all about, but truth basically constitutes my word. And if my word is going to establish a paradigm and a reality for your life, I'm the one who's going to oversee that to make sure that it comes to being. I'm going to change who you are, but I'm going to honor that word by overseeing it to make sure that the words that I speak speak will fulfill that which they're intended to do. And then you'll be known as my people. We move to a place where we become recognized as his people, not because we wear a label, not because I'm not a Muslim and because I'm not a Jew and because I'm not a Hindu, but because I am and carry within me resurrection life. People don't want to know you by your label. People want to know you by your heart. Expose your heart and reveal it to me. Throughout the book of Jeremiah... We with regularity re- read the word repent, repent, repent. He's speaking to Israel. What is he saying? He's saying, I know what the vision is for your future. I know where God wants to take you. But you have to make a choice to repent, to change your thinking. Changing your thinking comes from changing your heart. What he's saying is, I'm imploring you, Israel, to move to a place where you prepare to sit and say, God, I want to move into a future that's defined by we and not me. And And because of that, I will prepare to move to a place where I'm going to repent. I'm going to get let go of my limited thinking and my limited abilities and and the, the thoughts that I have that are rooted and grounded in fear and inability. And I'm going to start to embrace a new foundation to my life. I'm going to allow you to work on the inside of me so that I can move to a paradigm of faith and ability and overcoming and more than a conqueror. Repent. Why is it important? Because in John 15 verse 5, it says, I am the brine and you are the branches. You can bear no fruit of yourself. You have to bear fruit if it comes from me. Where is he established in our life? Where is he the vine of our life? He is the vine of our life in the way that you believe. What do you believe about what's happening in your world right now? What do you believe about your circumstances and your situations? What do you believe about your job? What are you believing about your kids and their wellness? What do you believe about situations? Because what you believe is our ability to connect with the vine. And that is going to produce fruit in and of itself. You see, God's ability comes to your identity, not your reality. God has decided the way that he's going to work is through the foundation of each of our lives. He doesn't work out in our circumstances and situations. That's Old Testament. New Testament is, I'm gonna create in you a new heart and I'm gonna write my law on your heart and I'm gonna establish a foundation. And when you take that foundation and you walk into your future, boldly holding on to that foundation, I'm gonna honor my word to make sure that it's performed and it comes about. And as a result of that, you can walk into things and become my people. You will see the fruit of the foundation that's established in your life. But I'm not doing it in your world. I'm going to do it in your identity. He's establishing himself in who we are. Who you are is important. Who you are is important. Unless God can make an imprint on our heart, He'll never make an impression in our life. Unless He gets to make an imprint in your heart, He's never going to make an impression in your life. We live by grace. Through faith, he's done everything, but we have a responsibility to establish that foundation in our lives and move into that. God looks at Jeremiah and he says to him, Jeremiah, you have seen well, you have seen well. What is he saying about Jeremiah that he had seen well? It was because Jeremiah was able to look beyond the reality where he found himself. He was able to look beyond the circumstances and the situations that were on his doorstep. And he was able to see into the future. And he was able to see resurrection life. And he recognized the fact that resurrection life would change everything. If you want to change things in your life, see well. When we see well, we see him for who he is. We see truth for what it is. And we allow life to get established and define who we are. And when we live from life, we produce the fruit of life. You can only produce the fruit of what defines your foundation. If life doesn't define it, we will never walk into and produce the fruit of life. Now, I want you to see something really important. If you open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18, it says, speaking about Jesus now, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead and carries on from there. But I want you to see those words because there are a couple of points I want to make here. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. What I want you to see is this couple of things. It talks about Jesus is the head of the church. Who's the church? If you are born again, you are part of the church. If you are part of the church, you are part of the body. He is the head. We are the body. We are connected. Head and body. But it says not only is he the head and we are the body, but it says that he was the firstborn from the dead. What it's talking about is this. Jesus was the first person to walk into resurrection life. Jesus was the first person to be born again. What Jesus did was he went to hell and he conquered sin and death and he rose from the dead and he lives resurrection life. But it says he is the firstborn from the dead. I want you to get this picture. If you go and speak to any doctor, they will tell you that when your wife is giving birth, The most important thing is to make sure that the head is born. Because if the head is born, you are guaranteed that the body is coming out. Once the head is born, you are guaranteed that the body is coming out. Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. Jesus was the one who conquered sin and death. Jesus is the head of the church and Jesus has come out. What it's saying to you is this. Since the head is out, it's the guarantee that you, the body, are coming out. It doesn't matter what circumstance or situation you're sitting in right now. I can promise you, Jesus is your guarantee that you are coming out. Your situation may be dark and it may be grim and you may be dealing with coronavirus all over the place. Jesus is your guarantee that you are coming out. You may be sitting there wondering what about my job and what about the security and what about the business and what's going to happen? I want you to know something. The one who owns the cattle on the thousand hills, the one who's more than a conqueror is your guarantee that you are coming out. You might be in any circumstance or situation today. I want you to know something. If you understand who he is, if you understand what resurrection power is all about, when you get yourself established in resurrection life, you can be guaranteed. Jesus is your guarantee that you are coming out. You don't have to live where you are. He guarantees you. The fact that the head is out means that the body's coming too. You are coming too. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Everybody knows this because we talk about this so often in this church. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Let me give you a paraphrased version of that. Faith comes by hearing the finished work of the risen Christ faith comes by hearing the finished work of the risen christ the more you hear about resurrection life and what the risen christ has accomplished for you what will end up happening is it'll change the disposition and the foundation to your life faith comes by hearing the finished work of christ Romans chapter 4 starting from verse 19 onwards tells us a story and everybody knows this about Abram. And God came to Abram and God says to Abram, you know what? I'm going to bring forth life from you. And Abram says, but let me tell you a few facts. And what does he begin to do? He begins to tell him about the fact that you know what? God, I'm embracing what it is that you have for me. I'm holding on to that. And I'm going to move forward with that. But I want you to know something. The reality that they were in was that both Abram and Sarah Sarah had limitations. Both of them were at places where the circumstances and the situations of their life were against everything that God had said. Yeah. Everything that they looked at, every bit of reality, every bit of flesh, every bit of who they were was against God's promise. You're going to bring forth life. You're going to bring forth life. But it says Abraham staggered not at unbelief. He staggered not through unbelief at the promise that God had given him that you were going to bring forth life. I want to encourage you today. Don't stagger because of your reality. Don't stagger because of what's happening around you. Don't stagger because you can see things in the natural that are taking place. Your guarantee that you are coming out is Jesus. Jesus is your guarantee Hold on to that Because when you hold on to that It doesn't matter what circumstances and situations are telling you It doesn't matter about the limitations It doesn't matter that everything around about you Is telling you that you're not capable of moving into something new I want you to know something The time came when the deadness of Sarah's womb Produced life And it was born There was a time when for three days there was death in the tomb. And yet after three days, life was born and the resurrected Christ came out. There was a time where you had a heart of stone. And yet despite the heart of stone, the thing about it is what came from that was a new creation in Christ it doesn't matter what the circumstances or situations look like Christ is your guarantee that you are coming out it doesn't matter what your circumstance or situations look like right now I can tell you right now that if you can stay in a place where you're grounded and you're established in life life is coming out of your situation yes. hold tight to that God loves you so much that he wants you to know it doesn't matter what circumstance situation you find yourself in life he wants to be with you and the way that he wants to be with you is he wants to be an intricate intimate part of who you are as a person he wants to be the 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 one who defines The the reality that constitutes your life. This is who I am. It's no longer I who live. But Christ who lives in me. I've been redefined. I know who I am as a person. When I know who I am as a person. I recognize the fact that God's ability. Comes to that center. And as a result of that. I live from that place. Not only is life produced on the inside of me. But I move to a point. Where I take that life. And I live in the expectation of producing life. In my world. And in my circumstances and in my family and in my relationships and in my career and and in my health and every part of who I am. You have no guarantee of what the outcome will be when you're dealing with situations. You hope for the best, but you don't have any guarantee. Christ is your guarantee. That if you will take life that he's put on the inside of you and you will live by that life, he is your guarantee that you are coming out and you will come out on the other side. Father, I just want to thank you for every person that's watching today. I want to thank you that you've created opportunity for us not to live in the limitations of our reality and what we see but your intention is to take your life and put it on the inside of us so that as we grab a hold of that and as we live from that as we move forward in that I want to thank you that you manifest that life in every aspect of our circumstance and situations I want to thank you Jesus for the price that you paid I want to thank you that you are more than a conqueror that you are an overcomer that you conquered sin and death and that you rose from the dead and as the firstborn from the dead You're the guarantee that each of us can come out of the experiences that we find ourselves in. I thank you that you've empowered us, Holy Spirit, to be people of influence. And I pray that we will recognize that power and we will live from that place. I bless you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen.